Welcome to today's edition of The Blazing Gray Show with Jason Graves, Mike Janung, and Julie Dozier. Blazing Grace covers important life-affecting issues with grace-filled answers. Here are your hosts, Jason, Mike, and Julie. Are there sex addicts in Alaska? Well, I guess there are. We just found out, and we're going to be talking about ministry in Anchorage with a good uh, a good friend of Blazing Grace, Rudy, doing prodigals ministry out there. Rudy, welcome to the show, my friend. It's good to be here this morning. And, you know, everybody thinks about Alaska and they think, you know, you're just standing up there on a sheet of ice, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, tourism is one of our, uh, well, it's number two major industry here in uh, in Alaska, and people from all over the world come here, so no, we're not just sitting on a glacier. (laughs) Right, right. Hey, did you get your oil check this month? Our think, gas is only two ninety nine. Oh my goodness! Whoa. Eggs are cheaper in the country, I guess, huh? <laughs> Good deal. Well, welcome to the show. We want to hear about your story, and then we're going to hear about your ministry. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about what got you into this stuff and uh, how the sexual addiction came about in your life? All right. Well, it's a long story, pretty typical, uh, except I made some different changes than the average sex addict, but. Uh, uh, grew up in a family that espoused Christianity. Uh, found my dad's pornography when I was about seven years old, mm. and just something happened. It it was just not the curiosity thing. I've heard that all my life, but mm-hmm. for me, it was a lot different. It became an obsession with me. Mm-hmm. I went to it uh, as often as I could when my folks weren't around. Took major risks. Uh, got into masturbation. Mm-hmm. Uh, got into uh, looking at uh, females, girls my age and other ages. Uh, Every chance I could, I uh, got uh, peeping in windows, uh, stealing uh, ladies' underwears off the clotheslines in those days. Uh, anything I could to uh, feed this uh, uh, obsession with uh, sexuality, uh, just masturbation all over the place, and uh, just more and more just uh, uh, became the obsessive thinking that I had all the way through grade school, all the way, uh, I mean, I just remember uh, just this tremendous uh, obsession with it at all times. Uh, interrupted everything in my life. Just and of course, I didn't understand all of that through high school. Uh, as soon as I could get a girlfriend and start having sex, that's what I did. Uh, never stayed true to any one girl, even though I uh, professed that. Uh, joined the military because I got a low draft number in the seventies, and so I joined the Air Force and immediately started. Uh, they made me a medic. Started dating nurses, and uh, I had a reputation in the hospital uh, as the one that uh, dated everyone and. All that and uh, just uh, a tremendous amount of sexuality, uh, sex with the patients there in the hospital, in the emergency room, in the wards, in the clinics, uh, everywhere I could go. Lived close to the border, went down there to prostitution down there in uh, Mexico since I was there in Arizona, military. Um, During the 70s, I got involved in the Jesus movement, uh, uh, went to a Jesus function uh, and uh, uh, invited Christ into my life. And for a whole year, I was free. It was just uh, a wonderful, wonderful time of being involved in a Christian commune and uh, the whole Jesus movement at that time, the Jesus music, all those things that were going on. And it was just really, really exciting witnessing on the streets and all those things. Uh, but after a year, I uh, started directing uh, a coffeehouse ministry downtown uh, where all the street people were, the hippies and all those things in those days. Uh, nowadays, people don't know what I'm talking about when I talk to young people about it. But anyway tie-dye t-shirts, bell-bottoms, all those things. I used to have long hair until I started going balding about uh, five years ago. But uh, I was down there, and uh, a young lady came, and uh, she met me in the back room, and we were talking, and uh, just out of the blue, she asked me if I wanted to have sex. And 
that's where it started all over again uh, that I can recall. And uh, so uh, that initiated my secret life, even though I uh, started a life of leadership in Christianity. Uh, I had a secret life of uh, started masturbating again, the guilt and the shame that went all with the failure and uh, letting God down, letting myself down. I couldn't talk to anybody about it. Didn't know who to talk about it. Uh, nobody talked about sex in those days, uh, except that it was wrong. And so we could talk about anything in our Christian commune, but that's one thing that we didn't, even though we all, uh, it was pretty strict, uh, puritanical-type ministry we were in. Um, so I started peeping in windows again, uh, started masturbating uh, uh, constantly, uh, leering at women, all those things, mm-hmm. sexualizing. And... Uh, Met a young lady uh, during that time and uh, got interested in her, but really it was it was all sexuality. Uh, we professed falling in love, got married, uh, went off to Bible school, got my degree in theology. But even that whole time I was at Bible school, I was leering at women and and uh, being flirtatious. And I worked uh, uh, as a ward clerk uh, to put myself through college and uh, had sex with patients. And, wow and uh, had sex with other college students at a Bible school. Uh, took numerous risks uh, that I could have got uh, kicked out of Bible school at all the horrible, deviant things that I was doing uh, during classes and uh, during different sessions, uh, mm. uh, all that. Uh, after Bible school, uh, came to Alaska, uh, got involved as an associate pastor uh, because of uh, God-given abilities and talents and and his grace, I don't know how to differentiate all of that, simply to say because I was living deviant. I went to bed with any woman I could get a hold of. Uh, initially, it was no one in the churches that I was in, so I didn't have to deal with that. But uh, people I met throughout the community and the jobs that I worked, different places I went, uh, got involved in evangelism. Hmm. And for the next 16 years, I pastored five churches here in Alaska, and uh, I w- uh, got involved in evangelism across uh, Alaska, uh, Washington, and other areas, other states, and uh, every time I traveled, I would be looking. I'm always looking, always on the hunt, right. and uh, always met women. Uh, and I also began to take advantage of vulnerable women that came for counseling or ministry. And uh, uh, then I began to have sex with women in my church and flirtatious. And uh, and I'm married at this time, and I have two mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. Uh, my children now are uh, in their late twenties, early thirties. Uh, today, but uh, all of that continued. Uh, had I was a campus minister uh, up in Fairbanks, uh, and had sex with one of the students, and she went and told my wife, and that was my the first time my wife found out, and it was uh, a horribly devastating time. But uh, as I look back on that, the tremendous amount of justification, rationalization, minimization, denial, yeah, horribly steeped in it. Uh, whatever she said, I. Uh, I would refute it, and one of the things I look back now is just how absolutely horribly ignorant I was of her pain. I mm-hmm. just flat would not even look at that. It was she just didn't understand me, and mm-hmm. you know I really didn't love these women or anybody else, and so on. And so that began the end of our our marriage. Uh, that was about uh, six years into our marriage of about sixteen years, and um, she caught me one other time. But I just continued to do once the honeymoon of getting caught was over. I'd go right back to it, uh, right. and instead, and now uh, paper pornography, which was popular in those days, and uh, uh, just looking wasn't enough. It had right. to be someone live, and so one affair after another, uh, and that wasn't enough. I pastored five churches everywhere I went. 
there was always sexual situations, the obsessive compulsiveness. And uh, <clears throat> then I uh, started taking an interest in teenagers and started having sex with teenagers. Hmm. And uh, the sex progressed and uh, having sex with minors. And uh, I got caught, uh, turned in, and uh, I didn't do anything but justify, rationalize, excuse, blamed. And I lied the first time I got caught. I lied, and uh, my denomination I was with came and uh, uh, provided me a lawyer and a defense, and I lied to everybody that it was wrong, and mm. uh, everybody was lying about me, and I was the right one, and so on. And everyone stood by me across the state of Alaska since I did a lot of evangelism. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I was a liar. I was a liar and a cheat, deviant, and uh, because uh, the talents and abilities and my ability to speak and minister and the knowledge of the Word of God, I hid behind those things, and Christians being uh, so well-intentioned as they as they are, mm-hmm. not that they have any other reason not to be, but uh, for men like me that took advantage of all that, uh, I had lots and lots of support. So you've known sexual addiction as a non-believer, as a believer, and as a layperson and as a pastor, you've seen a progression. Uh, it wasn't something that just went away when you got saved. Uh, and you've seen this thing spiral downward and downward. And I'm just curious, you know, you're doing uh, Prodigal's ministry now. What does that look like? And, and how? what's your outreach involve? And how has how have has life changed in, in now that you're doing ministry? Well, it, there's a lot of facets to that. Uh, I, I don't... Uh, um, I don't say that it's all exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I when I went to prison for my sexual crime right. with a minor, uh, uh, by the grace of God, uh, they put me into a sex offender program. Uh-huh. And even though it's one of the most difficult things that ever happened in my life, it's one of the best things that ever happened. It right. really got a hold of my attention. Yeah. Uh, really ministered to me. And, and today in, in ministry, uh, there are it's not exactly a fine line, but there are two categories: those that have the uh, sexual addiction, uh, pornography, masturbation, and so on, in that line, and then those that cross the line into deviant, yeah, it goes sexuality, from, criminal, it goes from fantasy stuff. to reality or actuality. Right. And so, uh, in terms of what happened with you, and we get folks, obviously, as you can imagine, Rudy, who come through every once in a while and are involved in the legal system. But it sounds like you've really had the best attitude possible about that, and as a result, you let God really use that unfortunate circumstance or that consequence or that punishment, if you will, to discipline you and teach you. And I'm just really curious, and what, what, at what point did that take place? Well, it, 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 it's an amazing thing. I mean, to have a degree in theology mm-hmm. and to travel and to preach and to have that reputation, in fact, at that time, I was the only preacher in our denomination in the state of Alaska that went to a world conference in Atlanta, Georgia, and spoke, mm. invited to do that. So the talent and ability and the grace of God was there, but yet at the same time in, in me, and, and I used to think I was the only one in the world, but since then I have met many preachers, many preachers, many people with strong Christian uh, backgrounds and leadership mm-hmm. that are caught in this horrible pit and not knowing where to go and, and, and how to deal with all this. And it came a time when, when I was in, in prison, and it, uh, God was dealing with me, and, and I, I just really didn't believe there would be any grace for me. And uh, God provided a fantastic uh, chaplain there at the prison, and mm-hmm. he would minister because I didn't think God could ever forgive me. And I read Ezekiel 36 where God spoke and said, uh, you know, you've profaned my name to the nations. And then he goes on, 
and he doesn't make an easy plan of restoration. He talks about how he's going to do this in my life and, mm-hmm. and those, and it's going to be a, a tough thing, but God's going to bring glory through this. And and, uh, and then at that time, I, I woke up one morning, and I was reading Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. At that time, it wasn't a mm-hmm. popular scripture at all. Mm-hmm. And it was like God speaking to me, I'm going to do something with you. You know, and as a sex offender, as a deviant man that, that, that professed Christianity and pastoral leadership, whether it was known across the state of Alaska, I just didn't know what, that there was anything. I mean, I, and right. so I got on my knees at that scripture, and he said, I have a hope uh, and a future for you. And I go, you know, what could that be? But right. whatever it is, God, you do it. And, and God used the, the sex offender program. He used Christians in my life. It was, it was a tough love. I mean, I really yeah. needed that because I was in such denial at, at, the, at the horribleness of all these things, the ability. Uh, one of the therapists that I had, he, he, he sat down and he said, look, I want you to do a, a, an assignment how you used your Christian teachings and doctrines to facilitate your sexual deviancy. Right. And that was one of the most important lessons I ever did, how I twisted God's word hmm. of grace and forgiveness and all those things to, to justify and allow myself to continue to do what I was doing in wow. a horrible, horrible way. And uh, God got a hold of that. And, and, and I've seen that all these years. I. I've seen that, that, that men in Christianity have that ability, and women. We work with women also. Right. Rudy, um, my passion is that the church should be one of the first places we go to for help. But right. the tragedy is that often the reality is that most people go to the church last for help. Yeah. There, there's a perception of being the problem being spiritualized away or a fear of rejection and shame. In your mind, what can the church do to make it the first place people go for help? Well, the church needs to learn. Um, oh, I, I, I don't know what it's like across the rest of the United States. When I first came to Alaska, we were into the Jesus movement uh, music, and here they they didn't even hear about it. Hmm. Uh, and and so when I uh, and, and still today, when I look on the internet at all these ministries across the nation dealing with sexual addiction and such, and Christianity alone, and here in Alaska, uh, there's only two here in Anchorage. Yeah. Uh, and there's one real small of maybe five members in Fairbanks, mm-hmm. and that's it as far as sexual addiction is concerned. And so when I when I talk with ministers, uh, they're either, like I, I met with one yesterday in a little town of Palmer, 40 miles north of here, and met with one, uh, a beautiful Nazarene pastor there, and we were sharing. And he was just soaking this up, mm-hmm. just had a, a million questions. Mm-hmm. But so I've met a lot of ministers, most of them, mm-hmm. well, you know, our denominations can do this. You know, we don't need that. Our denomination does this. Our denomination mm-hmm. does that. And and they're afraid we're going to steal their sheep or whatever the situation is, even though we minister from people across the line mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of denominations. But there's just a tremendous need to, to learn and grow in this when the stats are showing us 40 to 60% of men struggle in this area to one level or another and yet can't get across the door because they're afraid that we may say something that offends them or that's too embarrassing to talk about, and yet there are numerous men struggling and don't know where to go. And in, in my day, I went to pastors, and they didn't know what to tell me. You know, they, you know, here, you know, uh, say this prayer or, you know, fast and all those things. Well, I did all those things. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I did it with as the, all the sincerity that I could do it. I mean, uh, I used to be a pastor. I know the Bible. I know all these things and all these answers. But one of the things I didn't get is someone to hold me accountable, somebody to walk with me. You know, it, you know, I'll pray with you, brother. You know, go. You know, be clothed, be fed, be happy, go on and prosper. You know, and but nobody to walk with me. And, and granted, this is my responsibility. I understand that. 
but is I didn't a, know is how. It a problem I went to Christian that the, therapist, is, and they didn't. Is didn't there a problem that the church doesn't want to get dirty with people who come and say, I've got you know, a problem with masturbation or lust or prostitutes or whatever it is? Is that what you saw? Yeah, it, it, that's part of it. The other part is, one of the things I think is a big thing is they're scared of the subject. They, they, and a lot of pastors, like myself, used to be in those days. I don't want to admit that I don't know. Well, I think that also, if you don't, you can't give what you don't have, and if you don't have your own act together, how can you possibly minister to others? And so, I think there's a lot of pastors out there that they are they don't have their act together. They're like when you were in your acting out days. You know, they're making mistakes here and there. They think that they're just going to be condemned. They don't think that anybody's going to be able to forgive them or understand them or help them. So, therefore, why in the world would they even get close to a subject like this and trying to help others? So, what are you doing with prodigals now? You guys have groups or what? Oh, yeah, all kinds of great things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What a, what a, I'm sitting in prison and don't have a clue Mm -hmm. what God has in mind. And, and I get out and my denomination kind of let me know the, the two I was associated with. That's probably not a good place for me to go to church. And so, some real good friends at a Baptist church invited me to go and, um, the largest in the state, and and I went. And the first day I went, and I met the pastor. And I said, "This is my life, and I do it just like the privilege to go to church here." He said, "You're welcome here. Anything we can do, uh, I just have one request that you meet our pastoral counselor." And I met with him, uh, uh, Pastor Tony, uh, once a week for six months, mm-hmm. and not, not knowing that Pastor Tony was just at the beginning of starting a recovery ministry, uh, which he fashioned after Celebrate Recovery in mm-hmm. California. And uh, we started with three groups, uh, okay. sexual addiction for men, substance abuse men and women, mm-hmm. and went from there. And now there's 13 different groups. And wow. uh, we have group meetings uh, uh, between Celebrate Recovery and Prodigals. We have four group meetings a week. We have a mentorship program. There are men that come to regular group meetings, and there are those that want to go into a more intense uh, recovery program. And we have that going on. We have uh, people that have graduated from... Uh, 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 life coaching ministry and, and the first of its kind to do life coaching with sex addicts. Um, we have group meetings for spouses of sex addicts, which is a really strong group, and that's where most of our men come from, uh, whether they like it or not. But uh, just a lot of tremendous things going on, ministering to people outside here. We're working on putting together presentations. Uh, we've got invitations to go to other communities in Alaska and introduce this and share this. Uh, uh, we're building our website. Uh, there's just constant ministry going on. Men that have graduated from our program are starting their own groups in their own churches. That's great. Uh, just lots of things going on, and uh, it's, it's really, really exciting. Hey, just a quick example. Uh, uh, a wife asked me to meet with her husband uh, about two years ago in mm-hmm. a restaurant, and I went over there, and we started sharing. It was friendly at first, and then he said, well, why don't you just tell me why you're here? So I shared with him, and his wife asked me, and he began to cuss at me and scream and yell right at Denny's restaurant. And he screamed at me, yelled, jumped up, and screaming at me all the way as he walked out the door. And uh, his wife said, it'll be a cold day down under before he ever comes to group. Well, two weeks ago, I'm sitting with this couple after he's gone through the program, and God has done marvelous things. And she looked over at me, and she said, I want to say something. She said, I love being married to this man. Now, here's mm. the man that she couldn't live with for 25 years. Wow. Kicked him out of the house. <laughs> right. And telling, and, and the privilege of sitting there, and she's saying, I love being married to this man. That's one of the greatest blessings. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. To, to hear that, to what God mm. is doing in, 
in men and women's lives, and, and that's what we're seeing here, and it, mm. it's fantastic. So are you in the Anchorage area and needing help? Because if you're dealing with sexual addiction or if you're a loved one or a spouse of somebody you're dealing with sexual addiction, there's help. You can email Rudy at prodigalsak at gci.net. That's prodigals, P-R-O-D-I-G-A-L-S-A-K, as in Alaska, at gci.net. That's Gordon, uh, Connecticut, uh, Isabel.net. So, Rudy, you know, we're going to uh, need to close up here, but if, you, if you're, you know, if I'm sitting out in the audience right now and I'm listening to this show and I'm just really struggling on whether or not to get help with this, with this what do you say to that person in that state right at this, at this moment? Well, that, that, that fear is the greatest hindrance. Uh, as a man that was uh, in Christian leadership, uh, pride, shame, uh, the greatest source is coming to God and allowing Him through others to, to give me what I need. I, I couldn't do this on my own. As bright as people are, as talented as they are, as, as great as their ministry or, or, or leadership is, I could not do this on my own. And it's when God brought me to that place that I needed others. Mm-hmm. and begin to walk with God and walk with others, His hand extended through others, uh, God did a tremendous thing. And it, it, it's just so important to reach out and get that necessary help with a counselor, a therapist, and support groups, and, and to walk in a program where there's all kinds of things to learn and grow and allow God to do that process truly of sanctification in a believer's life. Amen. 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 Yeah, it is scary, but it is, like you say, a process, Rudy. And I'm thankful to you that you've been willing to walk through that process, even when you had to get through, you know, things like uh, deep character stuff, like, you know, honesty, being honest with yourself and being able to face it. And it sounds like you've done just so much healing. And as a result, God is really using you. So, brother, we thank you for your ministry and uh, thank you for being a friend of uh, the Blazing Gray Show. Thank you. Hopefully we can have you on again sometime. We're going to have a a pastor's panel one of these days. Would you like to join us uh, as an ex-pastor to be on a pastor's panel? How would you like that? I'd love to. In in my life, uh, they've they've called us the lepers of society. Right. And one of the things about me that we have a prison ministry also Uh is I want people to know that God's grace extends and people can walk in freedom even when they've gone to the very depths of sexual addiction as I have. Right. And, and there is hope and there is life and there's ministry and there's blessing through the Lord. Amen. Mm. Praise God. Well, Thank great. you for your message of hope. Thank Absolutely, you. Rudy. Well, listen, if you're uh, just tuning in, you know, you missed a great show. Uh, we were visiting with Rudy from Alaska. He's out in the Anchorage area doing ministry to sex addicts out there and their wives. And and if you'd like to get a hold of him, email him at prodigalsak at gci.net. Now, if you're a new listener to the Blazing Grace show, you may not know that we are listener-supported. And that means that your help is vitally necessary for us to stay on the air and to continue to grow to different uh, places. Now, Mike, when you've looked at the numbers of people that listen into our show or who maybe are listening at oneplace.com or the downloads of the archives on the websites, what would you estimate is the average monthly listenership in terms of the number of people who click on a show and, and actually tune in the show? What would you ballpark that at? Um, maybe between four and 5,000 somewhere. Four to 5,000. Okay, so if we take the low number and say uh, 4,000, if everybody in that 4,000 gave $20 
just one time. That would be $80,000 that the Blazing Grace Show could use to get on the air. I mean, we have paid in some months uh, to be on some radio shows as much as $2,000 a month. Uh, to be on in markets like Los Angeles where there's great need, but it's also very expensive. So if you'd like to help the mission of uh, the Blazing Grace show uh, with your financial support, it is tax deductible. So Mike, why don't you give that information about how they can contact you and uh, give that way. If you just go to blazinggrace.org on the t- on the bottom left, there's a link to support us and you can either con- con- that. <laughs> contribute, <laughs> contribute by PayPal or by check. Yes, that's right. You can uh, contribute <laughs> if you'd like. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Well, listen, uh, Julie, you've got a, an intensive coming up. Do you need some counseling? Do you need to come with your wife or your husband for some help? Uh, come out to beautiful Colorado Springs July 2nd through the 6th and meet with Julie Dozier for her intensive counseling program. You can find out more about it at wingsofgracecounseling.com or call 719-266-6636. Also, I'm going to be at the Exodus International Uh, conference here coming up later in June from the 26th to the 30th in Irvine, California. So if you want more information about that, call 888-264-0877. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of The Blazing Grace Show. We trust today's broadcast helps bring you closer to God and to what God desires for your life. Blazing Grace is a listener-supported mission intended to help listeners around the world. Your support is vital in keeping that mission alive. We ask you to prayerfully consider sending a tax-deductible gift to Blazing Grace. It would be gratefully appreciated. Send your monetary gift to Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 62521, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80962-2521. That's Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 62521, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80962-2521. Want to learn more about Blazing Grace? Find us on the internet at www.blazinggrace.org. That's B-L-A-Z-I-N-G-G-R-A-C-E dot O-R-G. Forward slash radio htm on that page you'll find a downloadable copy of this show or you can visit oneplace.com under ministries look for blazing grace radio if you want help resolving a sexual addiction you can reach jason graves by dialing toll free 877-590-SOUL that's 877-590-7685 Julie Dozier can be reached at 719-266-6636. That's 719-266-6636. Get a copy of Mike's book, The Road to Grace, by visiting roadtograce.com. That's the word to and not the number. Desire for a specific subject to be covered on the show? Email Mike Janung at Mike at blazinggrace.org. We look forward to sharing more Blazing Issues and grace-filled answers with you next time. Thank you so very much for listening. Tell a friend about the broadcast. On behalf of Jason, Mike, and Julie, may God richly shine His grace upon you.